Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? My name is Carlo. I get to be the teaching pastor here. I'm excited that you're with us. Shout out to everyone watching over in our video venue or online uh, through Facebook Live or the church online on your app, phone, wherever you're at. We're so glad that you are with us today. We're kicking off our Christmas series titled, Oh, What Fun. You know, the world is so full of bad news. Some would say 2017 felt like the worst ever, like just every day there's some kind of bad news, something coming our way. And it would be really easy to approach the end of the year and 2018 even uh, kind of in with the blues, kind of bummed out about what's to come. So we could not think of a better way to cheer you up than to party and celebrate and make a big deal about Christmas. After all, Christmas is all about Jesus. Everybody loves a good party and we can't think of a better reason to celebrate than Jesus. I believe and we believe that Christmas can change the world because Christmas is all about Jesus. So for the next two weeks, we're going to look uh, from maybe a different angle than you're used to when you're studying the Christmas story from a couple of different scriptures than we normally would go to. But we hope That in uh, studying the story of Jesus, you too would find that joy, find that this is a fun, wonderful time of the year for us to make a big deal about. This this time of year is special uh, in the world of the church. Uh, Around the world, Christians, especially in more traditional settings, they celebrate something called Advent. Have you heard of Advent? You know what that is? It just means the coming. It's a season of expectation that Christians for hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years have made the intentional effort for four Sundays before for Christmas to really focus on the coming of Christ uh, and really emphasize him. In fact, those four Sundays traditionally have a theme around them. There's hope, peace, joy, and love. And so I think it's really awesome that this is the third Sunday in Advent and the theme of this Sunday is joy. So we're joining with millions of Christians all over the planet who are focusing today specifically on the joy of Christmas, the joy of Jesus. I think that's really, really awesome. So we're going to talk about joy today. We'll be in John chapter one, and we're going to get there in a few. It'll be on the screen or the Bible app if you want it to follow along. What's the worst or wildest storm you've ever been in in your life? I grew up in West Central Florida, so I've been through some hurricanes, some tropical storms. Of course, living around these parts, we get uh, that tornado-type activity all of the time. Uh, Wildest storm I remember, though, was when I was in Iraq. It was a sandstorm, a crazy storm. We were up north on the flight line, and we looked south, and we saw that. That's not Photoshop. That is legit. That's what we saw, the real deal. Floor-to-ceiling, Uh, Just this wall of death coming our way, Uh, wind blowing fast. We have no idea what's about to hit us, what's about to happen. So we run into our little shack, try to look for some safety. And, of course, that was an exercise in futility because the wind's blowing so hard. The sand gets into everything, comes through the window, comes through the cracks, comes under the door. Uh, It was just a mess. And when we went outside just to kind of take a peek, uh, it looked like we were on Mars. Not that any of us had been on Mars, but we hear it's nice. And so we, we went out to look and this is exactly what it looked like. Just red. You you couldn't see anything. It was red uh, all over the place. And it was like raining mud, which was pretty wild because you can't really see the rain from the picture, but it's actually raining in that picture. It's like moisture in the air. Uh, And the most depressing thing, besides the fact that there was this storm, is those of us being in the army, we realized somebody's got to clean all this mess up when it's over with. And that's going to be us. It was crazy. Another time up there, we had a storm where it rained. You know, that cold rain that you wish would just go ahead and turn to snow. You experienced that. It was that kind of rain just wouldn't go away. Just cold, wet, and miserable. Storms come in a variety of ways. You know, and for some of us, Christmas is like an impending storm. Just like that picture of that sandstorm for us. 
it symbolizes just the stress and the dread and the sadness and whatever it is uh, coming our way, a storm that we can't avoid. Around here, uh, we, we, they, they start reminding us of the storm of Christmas the day after Halloween nowadays, don't they? Like, it's just, here it comes, here it comes. Here, we worry about how we're going to buy all the presents we need to buy. We're going to worry about how we're going to maybe pay off debt or deal with bills. We worry about how we're going to burn off enough calories. Hello, right? Uh, some of y'all should be worried about that, how we're going to eat the next couple of days, right? We worry about all of that stuff. And in a time that's supposed to be full of joy, it can become just downright cold and miserable, like a storm. For many people, Christmas is not a fun time at all. In fact, there's something called seasonal affective disorder, SAD, S-A-D. It's an actual phenomenon that people deal with uh, during this time of the year, whether it's losing, you've lost a loved one, so now you're facing celebrating the holiday without that loved one, or it's a tragedy or whatever, can really bum you out. But see, the good news is that no matter how bad it looks in our life, no matter how bad it looks around us, the Christ of Christmas came to give us hope that things will and can be better. And so our big idea today is this. No matter what we're going through, we can experience joy. No matter what, no matter who we're facing, no matter what we're facing, we can experience real joy. So we're going to look in the book of John. John chapter 1 is where we're going to start. And we're going to see how and why we can experience joy regardless of what we're going through. So when you look in the New Testament, it starts with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote the same story of the life of Jesus from different angles, from a different perspective. Matthew was a Jew, and so he wrote to Jewish believers to basically present Jesus as being the the Messiah, the prophesied about Messiah. So Matthew connects the Old Testament with the New Testament, with with Jesus's story. Luke, he was a non-Jew. He was a Gentile. He was the only non-Jew to write a book of the Bible. And Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, Luke writes to present Jesus to the Gentiles as the Savior of humanity. So that's kind of his, his angle. Mark, he wrote to a more Roman audience to present Jesus as the great servant as opposed to what the, the kind of leadership that the Romans were used to. He presents Jesus as this contrast to the emperor as the great Sermon. So they all wrote basically the same story, and in fact, uh, scholars believe that they all that Luke and Matthew borrowed heavily from Mark. You can find seventy percent of what's found in the Gospel of Mark in Matthew and in Luke. So their stories are the same, and they're very familiar. If you've been around the church at all, even if you only come to church around Christmas time, you've probably heard the story of Jesus' birth through Luke. You've heard about the wise men through Matthew, those type of things. But John. And telling his story about Jesus takes a completely different approach. I like to think of John as pulling out the one-up card. Like, you guys think you told the story. Check this out. John's gospel is so radically different from what Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote. It's not bad, but his, his angle of approach is for a completely different reason. John wrote to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. That's his mission. So when you read the book of John, that's what he's all about, is proving to you that Jesus is the Son of God. So while Mark, he jumps into the story of Jesus right with the action. Mark doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus or the childhood of Jesus. Mark just comes in, and Jesus is serving, doing all this ministry already in the thick of it. Matthew and Luke, they give us great detail 
about what happened in Jesus's life. So, so in Matthew, again, we hear about, you know, kind of Jesus's family tree. We see the wise men, some of that stuff in Luke. That's where the most famous Christmas stories come from. Luke chapter two. If you've watched Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, when they read it at the end, that's coming from Luke chapter two. But John, he says, we got to go way back. If Jesus is the son of God, we need to start his story a little bit earlier. So here's how John starts the Christmas story. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So John says, I'm not going to start at a manger. I'm not going to start in Bethlehem. I'm going to start where Jesus started, in the beginning. He's always been, always will be. He is God's revelation of himself to us. So in Jesus, we see the fullness of everything that is God. He's always been. And why is that important for John to start there? Because remember, what's the point of the book of John? To prove that Jesus is the son of God. So while Mark and, and excuse me, while Matthew and Luke focus on Mary and Joseph in that beginning, John says, "No, we got to. If we're going to do justice to the story of Jesus coming into the world, we're going to start all the way from the beginning." Verse four, he says, "The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never." extinguish it. I hate when the power goes out. I can't stand it. If you're here and you, you work for the fine folks at CDE, I'm not trying to put you on blast, but in Clarksville, if the wind blows fast, right, we lose power for an hour. Sometimes it seems like, you know, we just can't catch a break with power outages. Power outages stink because they leave you feeling almost completely helpless, right? I mean, what am I going to do without my Wi-Fi, without Netflix, right? I have to actually talk to people. Like 15 minutes is a long time when you can't pick up your phone, right? Some of y'all can't sit in church for 10 minutes without getting, pulling your phone out. You know, we just have that habit, right? We're so used to it. Last week, we didn't have heat in this building. You remember? Some of you do, right? Some of y'all might be sick from that. Sorry. Uh, don't, don't blame us. Uh, you know, but seriously, we lose the power. We lose heat. We lose AC. It's, it's frustrating. Our food can go bad. It's just such an inconvenience, being in that powerless state, in that darkness. And what causes those power outages? Well, most power, outage, power outages in our country, uh, they're, they're, they're acts of God. They're weather-related. You know, a storm comes, tornado, hurricane, whatever that causes it. Something that's out of our control. But sometimes uh, God's creation can also cause power outages. A car hitting a telephone pole, unfortunately. One time in my backyard, I saw a squirrel give his life to Jesus. He got a little too close to the transformer. We heard a loud pop, and you could see him flying in the air. You know, he's, he's in heaven now, I think. Do squirrels go to heaven? I don't know. Ask Pastor Chris at the Next Steps table uh, if squirrels go to heaven. He'd love to give you the answer to that. But um, all I know is we lost power for like four hours because the squirrel got a little too greedy for whatever it was and, and got too close to that source of power and it's zapped out either way power outages stink the darkness is no fun same's true for us spiritually we can have these power outages these moments of darkness where it seems like there's no life the storms of life just completely zap us or we have icy situations with friends or even with foes that mess everything up everything up for us we feel like we're in the dark sometimes we feel like we're we're struggling but the good news, we have hope because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never 
extinguish it. So we can experience joy regardless of what we're going through because we have the light. We have the light. A lot of people spend a lot of energy, time, money, energy pursuing happiness by buying things, by going places, by striving for perfect situations and for perfect relationships. But here's the thing. Relationships change. Things rust. And eventually places even become unwelcoming. So happiness is connected to happenings. Happiness depends on circumstances. And believe it or not, in stark contrast to happiness is this concept of joy. Joy is the pursuit that we should have. The Bible says all the time that our, jo- that our joy should be full. Our, we should rejoice always. We should be joyful because joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is much deeper than that. Joy is based on Christ. It's based on this awesome truth that we're never alone, that we have hope, that we have light. John says in verse 10 of John 1, he, Jesus, came into the world he created, the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. See, Jesus illuminates the dark world. He gives this measure of grace and understanding so that people can freely accept or reject his message. But there's no other light that shines. And he shows up in power and truth, doing miracles, doing all this great stuff. And John, who, you know, remember, John is not writing this as it's happening. He's writing this years after he'd experienced all this with Jesus. So John's kind of giving a spoiler in the very beginning of John chapter 1, saying Jesus comes full of all this good stuff. And by the way, people reject the light. The light of God shows up and people reject him. The Christ of Christmas came into the world, light shining in the darkness, and people preferred the darkness over the light. Why does that happen? I think there's a couple reasons why people don't receive the light of Jesus. One is that they've been in the dark for so long, they don't know how to act when the lights come on. You know what I'm talking about? Been in the dark for so long, they don't know how to act when there's light. When there's freedom, if you know anyone who's worked in law enforcement or in the military, you, you know that when you're rescuing a hostage or rescuing someone, securing them is often just as important to your safety as securing the enemy. Because sometimes because of stress and torture, everything people may have gone through while they were in the dark and captivity, they may actually try to fight you even though you're trying to rescue them. So what do you have to do? You have to kind of secure them first and move on. I think spiritually, God shines his light on us. And some of us are so used to the dark that we actually reject the one who's trying to save us. We call this conviction. We don't want to hear the truth because we're not used to that. So we reject it. We run away from it. The good news is we don't have to walk in that type of defeat. We don't have to believe the lies. We don't have to believe the darkness. We can receive the light of Christ. Another reason why, why people don't receive the light, it's that uh, they prefer the darkness. That's a tough truth. But some people like or act like they enjoy living in the pain and in the drama and in the despair and in all the junk. And they act like they love living just in the mire and the grime and, and in the mess of life. You know who likes to live in the mess and the dark places and in the smut? Roaches and rats. You ever see what happens to roaches when you turn the lights on? Some of y'all are fancy folks. Let me talk to the normal folks in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you turn the lights on, right? What do the roaches do? They sc- do they scatter? Here's what roaches do. They run for the darkness. You shine the light on them, 
and they make a beeline for the darkness. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be in the light. They like living in that nastiness, in that filth. Have you seen where roaches hang out? Again, not you fancy folks. Y'all don't know about that life. Normal people. You've seen where roaches hang out. Never in things that are good. Never in things that are healthy, right? We associate roaches, rats with the worst, with the plague, with, with nasty, nasty things. Let me tell you something, Christian. God wants you to live a higher lifestyle than a roach or a rat. He really does. He wants something better for you than pursuing darkness, than living in the grime, than living in the muck, and living in the mud. In fact, that's what he came to do, to rescue us from that. One of my favorite Christmas songs, that's the line, that Jesus came to save us from Satan's power when we'd gone astray. He came to rescue us from that darkness. John says it like this in 1 John chapter 1. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. My version of that would say we're lying if we say we have light and we live like a roach or a rat. We're lying if we say we live in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Verse 7, but if we are living in the light, As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What an awesome scripture and truth, that we can live in the light of Jesus. God cleanses us of our sins. We have fellowship with each other. We don't have to live in that darkness. Jesus came wrapped in skin, wrapped in flesh, so that you and I would not have to walk in the darkness anymore. He came so that we could be brand new. He came so we could have hope and forgiveness and peace of mind and peace and soul. And if you don't have a relationship with him today, you can take just one step towards him by saying, you know what? I don't want to live in the dark anymore. And when you say that, here's an awesome thing. The light comes in. The darkness cannot extinguish it. First John verse 12, he says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So we can experience joy because we have the light. And based on that verse, we can experience joy because we are children of God. We say yes to Jesus. We are children of God. How awesome is it to know that when we say yes to him, we gain an awesome family uh, called the church. We're better together. True joy unites us together. People that would never, ever come together, we get this great gift called the family of God. I think that's so amazing and so awesome that God gives us something like that. I know the holidays can be a, a tough time for you, especially if you've lost loved ones or you have sick loved ones. Let me tell you, both of my parents and my, my grandparents, they have long been with Jesus And it's not always easy thinking about another Christmas without mom, another Christmas without dad. I absolutely understand where you're at if that's you this morning. But here's the truth. I still have family. Yes, a wife and kids and and brothers and sisters, but I still have the family of God. I'm still God's child. Even in the middle of all of that other stuff, I've been given this great gift of being called a child of God. You remember your favorite Christmas gift? Mine was when I was in the fourth grade. It was an action figure from a movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger made called Commando. You guys familiar with that movie? Commando. Some of y'all had a 
Bad Life, so you don't know about Commando. It was an awesome movie. You, uh, I can't recommend it because this is church. There might be some unchurchy things in there, but uh, at your own risk, check out that. I got this action figure. That's all I wanted. And in my house, we were, we were brought up a little bit different. Like, I think my parents would go out of their way if I asked for a gift. Like, they would go out of their way to get me the opposite of what I wanted. Like, can I have a bike? Oh, really? You're going to get a bag of potatoes, right? You know, no entitlement in my house, right? You know, you're not, you don't deserve anything. Uh, be thankful that you, you got some food. Like, my parents were hardcore when it came to that. You know, we were not spoiled at all. So I would ask for gifts, but I almost grew up just never expecting to get what I asked for because it was very rare. You know, of course, now I understand uh, money issues and different things that were at play. But this year, I asked for the commando action figure and I got it. And it was awesome. Just what I asked for. And when I thought that that Christmas morning at 1709 Erna Drive in Tampa, Florida could not get any better, I opened up another gift and guess what it was? Some of his buddies. And then I got some of the accessories. And it was like, you mean I don't have to mix and match? I don't have to use my Star Wars action figure and pretend that they're part of the Commando universe? Like I can actually play with everything in one world? It was just amazing. I got more than enough and then some. And that's exactly what God's gifts are like for us. More than enough and then some. To be a child of God is to be a part of a family, to be protected, to be provided for, regardless of what's going on on the outside, we have each other. I can count on you. You can count on me. We can be there for each other. We're united in Christ, and it's an awesome thing. And there's nothing like that in the world. There's nothing like the family of God that we get to be a part of. The Apostle Paul, he said it like this, for the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we also share in his suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. More than enough, and then some. If you're disconnected from the family of God, you could take a step today by saying yes to Jesus. Say yes to community. The Son of God became a son of man so that the sons and daughters of men, that's us, so that we could become a part of that great big family. That is a reason to celebrate. That is a reason to party because you and I had nothing to do with it. We didn't ask for it. We can't earn it. And yet God in his grace and mercy, that's the life he has for us. Let's finish up. Let's go back to the book of John. John says this. So the word became human and God made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God came and dwelt among us, full of grace, full of truth, full of this this awesome revelation that our being saved has nothing to do with our works. We can't earn it. We We can't manipulate our way into it. He shows up and he saves us because he's good. And in truth, because he really has a life he wants us to live. There are things he wants us to do and accomplish for us. What's Christmas all about? It's all about Jesus who's alive, who's called us into his family, who shines the light in us. So we can experience joy because we have light and we can experience joy because we're children of God and we can experience joy because God is with us. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We can experience joy because God is with us. He's here, present in all of us who are in Christ and that is awesome, awesome news, awesome reason to celebrate. We're not alone. During a time of year where we often feel lonely, God is with us. 
So where are you at in this story? Are you battling these storms of life? Are you dreading the upcoming week because of the potential drama and, and junk and the busyness that, that can come with it? Let me just encourage you again. No matter what we're experiencing, we can experience joy. So that's a lot of Bible. That's a lot of scriptural teaching. How do we live it out? I'm just, just three quick things I want to share with you. Three quick ways I think that we can live out this powerful truth of experiencing joy. The first thing is this. We have to choose joy. Yeah, I said it. Joy is a choice. We have to choose joy. Joy is there. The joy of the Lord is there. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But we have to access it. We have to choose it. That means we need to view Christmas through the lens of Scripture, not through our circumstances. Choose to be joyful. When you're driving down Wilma Rudolph on Friday evening, I don't know why you would do that to yourself, by the way, but if you do do that to yourself, you can choose to be joyful. You can choose to remember why everyone is out. You can choose to remember why we have this big deal. Why are we getting these gifts? Why am I participating in this. You can choose to remember the truth that God is with us. Come back to this message. Go back to Luke chapter two. Go back and see, man, when people were suffering and struggling, God showed up. Even when we didn't deserve it, he showed up. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, right? We need to sometimes say that to ourselves. Choose to view Christmas through scripture. Choose joy. Be joyful. Second thing we need to do is stay close to the church. Stay close to the church. We have to fight loneliness by embracing community. Some of you, this is a very, very hard time of the year. You're bummed out because you're thinking of who's not here with you. Maybe you're a parent and your child just joined the military and they went away overseas or you got family members you're not going to be able to see. I, I encourage you, fight loneliness by embracing community. The scripture tells us in Ephesians that the Satan, the enemy of our soul, he roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. How do lions attack? They don't ever go head up in a big fight. Very rarely does a lion go strength for strength. But what they do is they stalk and they catch the one that's isolated. I was watching some animal documentary on Netflix and I watched a a pride of lions eat a baby elephant. Now, baby elephants are massive, right? They're big. There's an adolescent elephant, and I just kept seeing the setup, and I'm like, there's no way. Elephant's going to escape. There's no way. But what they did is they just kept creating distance between this young youngster and the rest of the, 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 the pack of that the uh, elephant was with until he was isolated, and then they all just pounced and started chasing this baby. And they chased the elephant away from the protection of the rest of the other elephants till he was alone. And there was like 45 full grown lions, not counting the youngsters. And they just kept chasing him till he got tired. Then they jumped on his back and they fell. And they finally took him out. And then the video cut scene to them like a week later, still eating off of this elephant. I was like, dang, that is nature is savage, right? But guess what happens if that little baby doesn't get isolated, doesn't die. That's how the enemy of our soul gets us. Get you away from community. Get you away from the happy people. Get you away from the smiling people. Let me get you away from that people. Oh, I don't want to go to one church. That Chris is going to be there saying, hey, welcome, and being all happy. And I ain't in the mood to be all happy, right? That, they're going to get in there, and Justin's going to sing them joyful songs, and I'm not in the mood to be joyful. So we choose the darkness instead of the light, and we isolate ourselves from community, and that's where depression, that's where we get hurt. 
That's where the enemy really can mess us up. So we have to choose to stay close to the church if we're really going to experience this joy. And then finally, and I think most importantly, we need to celebrate instead of complaining. Celebrate instead of complaining. Let the music, the food, the celebration, the gatherings of Christmas, let those be the reason to celebrate. You could complain about standing in line at Belk to buy that shirt for someone who's probably never going to wear it, or you could celebrate that you actually have someone in your life to give a gift to. You could celebrate that you actually have the extra income to make that purchase. If all else fails, you can celebrate that you have the breath to complain. Some people don't have that. They're dead, right? You can celebrate. There's always something you can find to be joyful about, to say thankful. Believe me, those of you who know me, you know I am not Mr. Peppy. Oh, look at the world. Everything is smiling, rosy. That's not who I am at all. It has nothing to do with me being able to choose joy. It has nothing to do with having an attitude of thankfulness. Just because everyone wants to, com- not everyone, but just because there are some people who want to commercialize Christmas, make it all about stuff, that doesn't mean you have to do that. Just because this is a time of year that's stressful for some people, it doesn't mean you have to be stressed out. It doesn't mean you have to be negative just because everyone else is negative, right? You can choose joy. You can embrace community. You can choose to celebrate instead of complaining. If Christmas is all about Jesus, and it is, then those of us who say we're in Christ, who say we're Christians, we should be the loudest people in the world reclaiming the party that is the next couple of days, next couple of weeks that we get to have. Think about it. All over the globe, people are going to be opening presents and celebrating our king coming to the world. Even if they don't know that yet, they haven't made that connection yet, we know the truth, right? We know what this is really all about. So we can celebrate. We can make a big deal about it. Our joy is found in our Savior, not in our circumstances. There's no thing that can make you happy, but someone can, and that someone is Jesus. So we've been talking uh, for several weeks about this Christmas offering that we're going to take up here. And, and maybe you're wondering why we decided to do that. We want to celebrate Jesus. We want to celebrate the great year that we've had. And we can think of no better way to celebrate what Jesus has done for us than to give back to him. After all, he is the great giver. God loved the world so much that he gave his son. God demonstrates his love for us that he, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us by giving. And so it's just a really awesome way that we, as a church, onechurch.tv, can respond to the goodness of God, respond to the joy of Christmas by actually giving back in response to everything that he's done for us. It's just a great opportunity. Some of this, as you've heard Pastor Chris talk about and we've talked about over the weeks, some of this offering, it's going to stay right here at onechurch.tv to help us finish strong, to help us continue to do great ministry great all around the world and all the things that we do. Some of this is going to go to Radical Missions. We're going to partner with a great local ministry to help those who desperately need just some tangible help. And of course, globally, we're going to help connect families through uh, Bring Love In. Every dollar, every cent, every sacrifice, 
sacrifice you make in this offering right now, above and beyond what you've already given tithes and offering, know that it's going as a true act of love to celebrate Jesus, to be thankful for all he's done. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Justin and the team are going to come. They're going to lead us in one more song. I encourage you to use this song as a time to reflect and respond to all that God has done for you. As we sing, as we celebrate, just to be reminded of the joy of this year. Let's party. Let's make a big deal about what God has done for us. There's going to be people with buckets right here. After we're done singing and Justin dismisses, you can drop your offering there. Or you can even go on the app and you can click the drop-down menu where it says Christmas offering uh, under the give function and you can give that way. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you so much for who you are to each and every one of us, for calling us to you, for loving us so much that you sent your son to die for us. God, I pray if there's a person in this room not yet walking in relationship with you, that this right now would be the moment. They say, God, here I am. I've blown it. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of walking in this darkness. God, help me to see the light. And I know, God, you'll shine like you always do. You'll save like you always do. Thank you for the community, the family that you've given us. Help every person in this room to leave here celebrating. Let onechurch.tv be the place that truly reflects the light and the joy and the hope and the peace and the love of Christmas. We thank you so much, God, for the privilege it is to be your children. We love you in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.